Good evening, alcoholics, and welcome to another edition of Bar Culture Pubcast. Um, I am Will. On the other end of the teleconference line is Steven. Say hello, Steven. Hey, that's me. Yeah, so How you doing, uh, guys. We're we're doing we're doing pretty good. Hopefully everyone's doing good. We're trying a new program. Um it's called Zencaster to do our teleconferencing. Uh no video aspect, so I'm pretty much just staring at sound waves bouncing off a computer screen tonight. Oh good, I'm not the only one. I was uh just thinking this is weird because normally we're either face to face, we got the video going, so listen, we don't want to limit ourselves. So there's lots of uh inputs and lots of methods to do this and uh yeah i mean we're still kind of on the uh, bleeding edge the the leading edge we're still learning a lot as we do this so we're from time to time we're gonna try a few different programs a few different setups i eventually like to get uh, a few guest hosts in as well once uh you know we can arrange that and you know everybody's schedule kind of sync and uh kind of expand the co-host duties if you will uh, i mean i've got several buddies who follow us I say several, at least two or three that uh, follow us. And uh, every once in a while, they want to chime in. So, uh, you know, we want to try different things and see what works for everybody and see, you know, see where this goes. I, again, we have fun with this, doing the reviews and, uh, you know, just having the discussions we have. I, I know I enjoy myself with it. So, uh, you know, trying different things, trying different programs, trying different uh, topics, Trying different drinks, that's what it's all about, you know, having fun, exploring with life, and uh, just kind of, uh, you know, enjoying life while we have a chance, you know? Yeah, and it's not so much about expanding the co-host as it is, is having some, some people to be able to fill in when, you know, one of us needs to take a vacation or just can't do it, and we want to keep rolling episodes. Oh, absolutely. And I think the more, the yeah, more people we get to help out with that, the better... Um, the product's going to be because then we're not stressed to just try to put something out there. We're going to put out our best work um, and not just feel rushed to put out stuff. And I, I, I mean, because it, it could be right. tiring doing, you know, you know, doing more than one in a day. Two, two back to backs rough, but I feel like you know we we handle it pretty well because we can come up with some stuff. The second show of the day is usually like just a giant riff show where we just a little more ragged yeah well not even ragged (laughs) just a you know giant riff where we just rip off of things and we don't really cover bullet points so it's more of a less structured show which is kind of how i like to do it you know i mean i like you know when i was best man for the only wedding i've been best man for everyone asked me all the way the day of the rehearsal dinner um what are you gonna say what are you gonna say no idea i'm just gonna wing it i'm literally gonna grab a microphone and wing it i mean i had bullet points but you know that's and that, I think that's all. All a good show needs is bullet points. You, I, I, scripts scripts complicate things. Yeah, and, and I, I started out with like I typed out like a whole like you know I'm gonna read the speech type deal, knowing that I would just kind of memorize it. I went through it enough where I kind of had like the key points, and I was able to kind of inter you know intertwine a few anecdotes, uh, just kind of you know, build a story that, that supported and showed like the commitment that the, at least the one for, for, you know, my buddy Kyle, which I know you've met, I know he's one, some point going to be on the show. So, um, you know, that was the, the one that sticks out in my mind. I'm trying to think I've done any others or not, but that was the one that's like the biggest one for me. Like that was, a, first of all, it's a huge honor just because, you know, he's somebody that uh, him and I got close in a real bad time in my life. And he was going through a lot of real bad times in his life, too. So 
it was kind of, uh, you know, trial by fire. And, you know, I found out who my friends were real fast and he was one of them, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't say that about a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of I had the bullet points in mind and I, I winged it. I didn't even take the paper, you know, with me to the wedding or anything. It's like I, had, you know, typed it out. I read it enough that I, I, I kind of knew the gist of it. And uh, everybody said it went really well. I think there's probably a video of me somewhere. I don't remember. I just remember like looking at the crowd and everybody looking at me and just, uh, you know, kind of telling myself, you know, don't blow this. You know, this is this is their night and this is, uh, you know, you know, not, uh, you know, not the time to, to mess up. So that was that was it was a roller coaster. I had definitely a few drinks in by then. I mean, we started drinking, I want to say, as soon as the ceremony was over. Um, if not, I don't think we had any before, hey, but uh like you know, we were getting uh, driven over to the uh, the reception, and uh, there were drinks as soon as we got out of the car. There were drinks ready for us, so it was uh, it was a memorable night, a really fun night. I had a blast. I was laughing, you know, all the way through. It was just a lot of fun. So um, I, I I like some structure, but at the same time, I think winging it lets personality show. I think that's the other thing too. As we have other guests uh, on the show, I think it kind of adds personality to what the bar culture podcast is. Um, you know, I've I've kind of described it as just buddies sitting around and you know having conversations like they'd have at the bar um, and reviewing different drinks. And that's, that's kind of the premise, but, uh, I think it's kind of that casual atmosphere that I think will hopefully, uh, draw a lot of people in and, and kind of build our, our listening audience. I mean, I had, I had the idea, the whole, the origin of my idea was, um, when we used to, when everyone used to hang out in a garage and every now and then someone would yep. come up and be like, Hey, have you tried this drink? And I'd be like, yeah, or no, or whatever. And that that was kind of the origins process to all this. And though the the purpose was to have a floating guest every week. Um, or so me and then another buddy, you know, me and then just rotate through the whole time or more than one. Uh, you, you're clipping out, you're clipping out pretty bad. I'm not sure if you're cutting off, or if you're trailing off on, on what you're saying. Uh, I heard the purpose was to have a floating guest and then it cut off. So try it again. Uh, that's pretty much it. Just to have a floating guest. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know you, when you and I started router, talking maybe? about this a few years back, it was one of those things where, you know, it seemed like everybody was like, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Let's do it. And then it's like, all of a sudden it's like just me and you. And we're like, listen, you know, I like the idea. That's why I'm here. You know, that's, that's why you and I have been working on it is because, it's something I like. It's something I believe in. You know. Yeah. No and, one. Uh, no one liked the idea enough to dedicate the time. Um, it's but, not just time. We're we're both vested in this. You know. Not heavily though. I mean, as far as a hobby goes, it's one of the cheaper ones. I'm having fun with it, and trust me, I have other hobbies that are a whole lot more expensive. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So do I. Um, shit, bowling so, exactly. is more expensive. <laughs> um, the bowling you said? Yeah, bowling is bowling. You could get get a little pricey. All right, you so, uh, totally cut out. All I heard was "yeah" and then "pricey." I said, "Yeah, bowling could get a little pricey." Oh yeah, for sure. You get you know custom ball and shoes and all that stuff. You're you're in it easily. Oh yeah. All right, so let, let's get into the meat well, of the show. Um, I'll say now that we've done the all about us segment of the show. Um, what's tonight's beer? What are we drinking? Uh, tonight's beer is the Funky Bluetooth Floridian. 
I'm gonna say that five times fast. Funky Buddha. Try saying that three times fast. Yeah. Funky Buddha Floridian. Yeah. Um, and unlike any of the other beers that we have drank. Hey, there's uh, our mascot in the background. Yeah, I hear him. Just ignore him. <laughs> um, like I said, unlike all the other beers we've tried, this one has no. At least on my can, has no uh, kind of taste profile. Yeah, and that, that's something that, I mean, I've seen this beer, and that's that's why when you said, you know, that this was the, the beer of the, the day, I was like, you know what, or the beer of the episode, I was like, you know what, let's do it. Like, I've seen it, I've been, you know, tempted to, to try it previously, but uh, I just, I hadn't. I had seen other choices I wanted to try first, and so you said, let's do this, I, I was all in, Let, let's do it. Uh, for the description, all it says is Floridian wheat beer. Yep. Hefeweizen. Yep, it's uh, pretty much a it's a Hefeweizen. I mean, not so not too much special with it. It has some citrus to it. It kind of tastes See, I and don't... feels like a Bud Light or a Budweiser, kind of an in between mixture of that. Um, See, and that's the thing. I, I uh, there's not really. I mean, I was surprised because it says wheat beer, and I mean, it tastes like. Honestly, it tastes like yeast. Uh, well, it's yeah. it's it's a beer. I mean, it, it's like not yeah. a. It's not a craft. I mean, no... it's a it's not a craft beer. It's just a small brewery hefeweizen. It's right, all, right. And really uh, this one, as the name insinuates, uh, the Floridian, not just the Floridian Funky Boo is actually uh, located up here by me in Oakland Park. Um, they've got uh, they've got a, a big following. I mean, I was familiar with Funky Buddha. Several years back, a um, buddy of mine uh, was getting into beers, and that was one of the ones that he really liked, or at least the, one of the, the companies that he really liked. Um, I don't think I ever had one of these with him, but, uh, you know, maybe I have, and we just, you know, in time it faded the memory. Yeah, like I've said before, I've had this one before. Hold on for sound yep. effect. And um, Nice. Yeah, that's beer number two, folks. Mm. Um, My beer number two is coming right now. So go ahead and uh, do a little free riff. I'm going to take two steps over. I'll be right back. Okay. And um, it's not one of my favorites, but it gets the job done. I mean, I'll drink it if it's there, but it's not something I typically go after too much. Yeah, it's fun talking to yourself when you are got no one else on the other line. Um, so the review... Uh, my review on it is basically just a little bit more of a South Florida twist on a domestic, you know, Hefeweizen. It, it, like I said, it tastes kind of like a Bud Light or a Budweiser mixture as far as the feel. Um, there's nothing special about it as far as fruits or notes or anything like that. Um, not the lightest. By lightest, I don't mean calorie intake. I mean like the easy going down where you can have more than, you know, four or five without feeling heavy it is a pretty heavy feel right. and uh, it's, a, it's something i would probably sip on i mean i have some i'll finish it but it's not something i'm gonna buy for for the price that it is you know i almost feel like i would you know have a better better bang for my buck with a bud light because that's kind of what it tastes like to me is a budweiser or a bud light right um, i'm uh yeah, I mean, I'm more about the the flavors and just kind of taste profiles. I think you know most people who've listened to this show, or you know, the few of us who have actually drank with me, um, this is not something I would probably 
choose or, or go for myself. Like I said, it's something I've seen, and you know, you said you suggested it. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a very it's a local version of you know, like a standard, like you said, Bud Light type. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a Hefeweizen, and and I should do a little, you know, Google research on the correct way to really. Because like, like I've said before, I'm not a beer master. I'm not a, you know, a meister or anything. Um, no, we're so, doing this for fun and to learn, you know? Yeah, so when I say it feels like a Bud, Budweiser, you know, which is not really a Hefeweizen, it's just a, uh, it's just how it feels to me. I mean, they're made with wheat. This is a, okay, so Weizen is a uh, German for wheat. Uh, right. Term used, blah, 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 North Germany regions. Uh, Hefe is a word for yeast, so it's wheat yeast. So wheat yeast beer, and that's that's exactly the flavors I was getting. Uh, you know, when when I cracked it, I've had other German Hefeweizens. Um, there's um, Spaten is probably one of the bigger German that's readily available German beers. Um, there's a, uh, I mean, there there's a ton of different Hefeweizens. Um, there's uh, another German, it's, uh, is it Schaffenhofer, I believe, which has the grapefruit, grapefruit Hefeweizen. And I like that one. Um, if anybody likes that, you know, that's, that's going to be, um, something they can try. There's an, uh, another one, a lot of times with the Hefeweizen, you get like uh, banana and nut type of flavors or mm. characteristics for it. Um, a lot of it, like I said, you can do anything you want with it. Really, it's kind of like a base, and then they take and and, and add this and and kind of give it different flavor profiles. Uh, those are just the two that just popped to the front of my head. Were were uh, and the um, Spaten. Um, I'm a big fan of Spaten. I know at some point we're going to do the Optimator, which is uh, a nice dark beer, but it's got more sweet notes rather than. Not necessarily a stout, but it's uh, got got some good flavor on it too. So, um, yeah, but it is a you know traditional German style style beer. So um, normally they're more of like cloudy rather than like a clear like a Coors Light. I think is supposed to be you know clear and crisp or whatever. But normally this is more like the uh, kind of cloudy. I guess that's from the uh, the wheat presence for some reason it, it i don't know if it's a filtering method or issue well i think it's a filtering uh, method because on the back of the can if you read it says uh smooth light and unfiltered oh then that's that's probably aids to it definitely yeah i'm gonna say i don't taste banana if i taste anything it's more orange um or see mine citrus. is just and obviously we're drinking out of different uh different packs um Mine is definitely more of a wheat, you know, yeast type, you know, traditional beer type flavor on mine. So, well, um, I can tell you this because you know, I, I know how these beers drink. Um, yeah. It, for the people listening at home, I wouldn't do what I'm going to try to do and kill a six pack in an hour and a half. Um, do not my, kill a six pack. You're going to hate yourself tomorrow. That's fine. I got nothing to do tomorrow. It might look, my back's all jacked you, up. You ought to do your. No, say again. I said my back's been all jacked up. I worked all day and went to the movies and dinner. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I think tomorrow's going to be a lay in bed day. So I don't really care if I hate tomorrow because I'm not going anywhere. Listen, um, just as a reminder, I know we kind of talked off here about it. Um, you might want to take and uh, try to get your taxes straightened out. Not straightened out, but get them, get them started at least. Um, 
I just realized, for those of you listening, I think we're probably going to be coming out the week taxes are due. Um, the date is now April 5th or 6th, which I, for some reason I had the 15th. I don't know if they've recently changed it or if I just was not paying that much attention. But uh, maybe you could take and you know be productive and you know see how see how that turns out for you. Yeah, just this a thought. Is coming out on the fourth, so. Right. Oh, okay. So yeah, right before it. Right before it. Yeah, I have a, I've been meaning to do it. All the stuff's in my truck, and I just haven't got around to getting it out. No, I've 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 had a pile here. I have a specific place to keep all of my stuff, and it's like you know what, I, my tradition was that I used to always do it on spring break. Um, you know, from school or from college or whatever. And uh, since I've graduated, I've always been like, okay, spring break was normally around my birthday. So normally I do it around my birthday, which, you know, was almost a month ago already. And uh, I just have not. I mean, it's just been, this year's just been one thing after another. Um, uh, mine are normally done you know, by, the end of, by the end of uh, January. Oh, there you go. Nice. Normally. But. Normally. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's let's get into the topic. We we've kind of skipped it. We uh, <laughs> did the uh, post apocalyptic uh, episode one, and that, this will that be episode... part two. And you know who knows? Go ahead. I was gonna say uh, this will be part two, and who knows? Uh, depending on where our minds go and where this conversation goes, we might end up with the parts three, four, or five. You know, and so forth, and so on, and so forth, as they say. Right, but so we uh, we realized we had much more we could discuss about the topic um, as we approached the, oh, absolutely. the time mark, and we got about an hour and 15 minutes to depose to the rest of the topic that we have to discuss and see if we are happy with the, the final answers that we give each other or come up with in this spur-of-the-moment conversation about how you're going to survive when civilization is falling upon itself. There you or, go. Um, or continue on on another day. So this could be a, a expanding series because that came out like a month ago. So has it been? Yeah, it has yeah, been a month been, already. It's been about a month. It? It's been a few episodes. So it's you know it's funny to see in the episode guide part one and then it's like no part two. Well, here's part two. So where we there left off was we were kind of discussing if it was like a you know Walking Dead or Twenty Eight Days Later. Or World War Z type, excuse me. That's the other thing about Hefeweizens. They're they're extremely carbonated. Just yes, uh, for absolutely. everyone out there listening. Um, but yeah, but we said we were like uh, approaching it as a zombie type apocalypse or an infection of whatever you're, you know, you know, the living dead basically, and right. You know, we fought our way out of South Florida. I think we both kind of agreed somewhere in the middle of the United States, whether it be in the coast in the center or on the, or the West, um, kind of thinking a, um, um, you know, cabin in the woods type of situation and kind of rebuild a right. farm. And that would be kind of, I guess the next point would be, so you, you have a stationary outpost. That's kind of your ideas. You'd have base of operations. Would you take and have a loner type setup, or like what would your approach be? Would you try to trust people, or what? I mean, how would that? Uh, what would your approach be? Um, don't really. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, if I was probably a lonerish 
type of thing to start. It's it's real hard to really tell uh, what you would okay. do, but um, I think I would try to find a place where I could stake off a couple acres um, with like some type of traps or spikes or you know pits um, somewhere that's by a creek. Assuming that okay. you know a zombie apocalypse doesn't affect animals, and you could still, you know, I would want to have still a creek within harvest, my hunt. huh? I said you you could still hunt and harvest food and exactly. animals for food. Um, you know, we talked about the the having the skills be a you know having skill sets of being an outdoorsman, which I know I know how to fish and I know how to hunt. Um, right. If you know how to shoot a bow, that's extremely beneficial because, hey, you're not wasting ammo on, on food. Yeah, um, you can most of the time retrieve the arrows. Yeah, and um, you can also bow fish um, if yes. you've got a shallow enough creek. So if, if, if you go to a place where there's salmon and they stream, you know, swim upstream and you get them in a shallow enough spot, you could pretty much pick a rock and if you're good enough, take one out with a bow. Or just oh, any type of uh, I, fish waiting in the shallow. I've always wanted to try bow fishing. I don't know why. It just seems to me like that's, I don't know. Like that, that just seems appealing to me for some reason. Like I'm, I think I'd be more interested in bow fishing than like actual fishing. Not that I don't want to fish, but like, it, I don't know. I just seem like, I think I'd be better at it. Maybe that way for some reason. Um, it, yeah. just, a, just a thought on that little tangent. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as community goes, um, I don't know. It, it seems like any time, like you, you watch. I don't. I don't watch The Walking Dead religiously, but I know kind of about what's going on because I've listened to enough reviews of you know, you know, people okay. watch it and talk about it on sure. podcast, radio, whatever. Um, so you kind of get a gist what's going on, and it just seems like every human force they meet is just like this. Like evil. evil society that yeah yeah it's it's like okay so how would you approach you know an evil society because they're they're not stationary in the show they're moving so if you were trying to find a uh you know as any zombie movie or show does a un untainted area of earth um you, you bump into these sociopathic societies that are just are as are not as bad or worse than the zombies themselves. So now you're fighting a war on two fronts. You gotta watch out for zombies, and you gotta watch out for um, people with bad intentions. It would be extremely hard to do a community when you don't know or trust somebody. I I think that's that's right. I mean, I, I would have to agree with that. I think it would be. You know, ideal um, me, um, maybe four or five real good buddies, you, um, and, of course, Jay probably, um, definitely Kyle. Like I said, it'd just be me, my buddies, and then whatever family we have, immediate family. I think I'd be, you know, the, the my core. And then as we cross other people, I would say try to do – I would say a separatist, but – try to limit interactions uh it kind of taken on like this is going to show my my star trek side kind of taking that don't interfere and and don't you know 
okay, we know that they're there, but we're not going to try to directly influence them. And we're going to hope that they just leave us alone as well. Um, that would, I think, be my first approach uh, just to see how that went. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, as much as a hero as, as you want to be in your mind, I don't think anyone's going to bum rush a society and try to take down its leader just to... Um, because they yeah, feel like, like I, I'm not going to be going like a Frank Castle. I'm going to be more of a, I guess, a pacifist, if you want to want to call it that. I, I'm going to be more, you know, listen, I'm going to do me and let you do you. Like kind of getting back to, you know, don't tread on me type type theory and type approach on it. Yeah, it's like the, um, you, you, when you have no law set up, you got to, People are acting on morals, and not everyone has good morals, but are you going to put yourself in harm's way to say, I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe you would surprise yourself. I mean. Well, maybe, you know, and maybe it's all conjecture. It's all theoretical till it happens, you know. I mean, but it's really no, not. Here's the small case scenario on that. You know, 20, 30 years ago, people used to pull over on the side of the road and help people out with a flat tire. Now it's like you're scared to because you don't know what the intentions of the... It could be a trap. You don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I've never pulled over unless it's somebody I knew. You know, like, like I'm going to be honest about it. I, I have, you know, a healthy respect for the unknown evil of the world does that make sense yeah you know it's like i i I wouldn't i wouldn't put myself in a place that i didn't feel comfortable if i don't feel comfortable it ain't happening that's how i live my life now you know what i'm saying it's like there's some things that i'm like you know i'm cool with and other stuff i'm like yep nope that's that's a no just flat no i'm not going to change my point i'm not going to explain my point just no so i think that you know projecting my current approach to things in life i think i'd probably do the same way yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've i contemplated pulling over and, you know, helping, the like, a, a lone woman, you know, on the side of the road. It's just, I don't know, the fear of, of what could happen There's, stops you. Exactly. And it's not even, like, what could physically happen. What would happen later when he's, like, uh, you know, if she were to just pull, like, the whole, and this is not to knock the Me Too, I know it happens, but... What happens if she says it? And it's like, listen, I was just being a nice guy. I was trying to help her. You know, like, that's... And you just kind of have to... I want to say give them the benefit of the doubt, but you kind of have to realistically say there's a lot worse that could happen than somebody be stuck longer than they want to be because they have a flat tire or because they're, their motor overheated or whatever, you know? Yeah, I, I mostly go for what's going to happen right now. I don't think anyone's going to come at me personally for trying to help him out unless i do something inappropriate which i wouldn't um, yeah but but i'm saying in today's world it's like unless you have like a dash camera or almost like a body cam for yeah, the cops you know it's what? like I, i'm not kind of can't ever guess of, no i don't have that kind of fame to or anything like that like there's no there's but here's no the thing i don't think you, you need the fame and that that's yeah, one thing that no, no I, one's getting me to that doesn't have some type of public profile they're you don't just think getting so? sent, no they're just getting sent to hr it, it, no, ain't no regular schlub. <laughs> that's, that's true. You're probably it, right. It, ain't no regular schlub is getting me tooed for, for nothing. Everyone who's been me tooed has a public profile. Now, I'm not well, saying celebrity. I'm saying public profile. You know, whether it be Wall Street or business or something like that. No, no, that's yeah. More I mean, look at how many businessmen, the people who work nine to fives, type of deal. So, 
I haven't worked nine to five ever. I don't think. But yeah, but you get what I mean. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so right. you would definitely kind of take like a a separatist approach as well. Then, like you wouldn't be actively trying to go join large groups of what's left of humanity. No, if I bump into people and I feel like I could trust them, I might invite them into the compound, but. It would have to be like through a rigorous vetting process, almost like like a prisoner oh, yeah. until I can trust you type of deal, or you know a lost kid. Like you're, you know a lost. You're kid probationary. Like, you can you can know where I'm at, but you can't come to where I am. No, I'd be more like, like I'll that? treat you nice, but I won't uh, I won't let you out of an unlocked room until I can exactly. Which I could totally sounds, get in on that. I mean, that sounds bad in and of itself. You know, you gotta you know lock someone up in a room, but you know when society falls, it's gonna be all hell. Well, I think that's one of the reasons. Um, oh, where did that name of that movie go? What is that? Uh, I don't know. It's like like they go like martial law, like one one night a year or whatever. What, what do you call that? Mm. The purge. The purge. Yes. I think that's why that has become like a new movie series that there's so much that could happen and so many ways to approach it. It's like, you know, one for every personality in the world. If, if you want, really want to think about it, because no two people are exactly the same in everything. You know, it's like you and I get along great on a lot of levels. That's one of the reasons we're such good friends. But at the same time, there's still stuff that, you know, I, I agree on or that, that, I would approach it one way and I know you'd approach it totally different way just because we're different people. Well, we've definitely had some fights before. I mean, not knockdown drag outs, but I mean, we've definitely been, like I said, we're different people. I respect that. You know, that's, you know, the world would be boring if everybody was the exact same. Yeah, no, for sure. Hold on one second. Okay. Everything's still good on the recording so far. I just want to make sure we're... Yeah, you know, I mean, I, as, as much digitizing as you you feel you hear, I don't hear anything really. You have yeah, to I, let my fact, I have it right now. It's just doing it for you. So, hmm. well, it, the important thing is we have two different recording methods, so <laughs> I get to pick and choose which one's cleaner. And as long as I you're like not it. digitizing, to, uh... it's not too bad. It's it's easy enough. That is that is awesome. I'm glad to hear it. So, uh, what's the uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Go go with yours. I was going to say, what's the... Uh, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, bow and arrow. Do you have any other weapons of choice that you would carry, or how, how would you approach it that way? Um, I think we kind of already covered most of that, but let's, let's recap. I would there have probably some type of machete, along uh-huh. with some type of uh, handheld knife that's a little bit shorter. Um, okay. A sidearm. You say nine, I say forty-five. Or no, you say forty-five, I say nine. Well, one of the two. I know we disagreed on that. Whether whatever you get, get your hands on. So, like, say if it happens right. now, I got a nine millimeter now, so that's what I got. Um, there you go. And some shotguns and a rifle and a bow. There you go. So that's 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 my equipment for now. Um, but I definitely would. You know, gather a melee weapon. Um, uh, hacks. An axe would be a good tool to have in your 
we'll call it a compound slash cabin or whatever you want to call it. Um, kind of yeah, would, for sure. would need an axe. Um, but you could probably even carry an axe as opposed to a machete. Uh, and let's see, sidearm. Um, I probably... I, I know we talked about like bringing shotguns into like buildings when you're trying to gather supplies. Um, a long rifle if you're out in the open type of like a yeah. like an armalite mm-hmm. or um so i'd probably geared towards that or some type of mp5 uh type type deal i kind of like the mp5s i know they don't get super distance but i have a you know basic i have a, a hunting <laughs> rifle where if i really need distance i have distance I think an mp5 yeah. is going to cover i think the MP- anything in an urban urban setting uh, yeah, I think the MP and I can't even speak right now. Um, it has been a long day. It's been a long week at work. I, I know we to- talked about that off air, but uh, I think the MP5 has that huge following because it's such a capable weapon. Um, it's small and compact, but it, it'll definitely get the job done. And it's like it's not. I've never had the the joy or the pleasure of shooting one. However, I know there's some places. In fact, I think there's a place in Miami that lets you shoot the full auto one. Um, they are, if you've priced them lately, they are yeah, decent, decent. Yeah. It's like, it's a decent investment. If you're going to get into it, get into it, right. You're going to be into it for quite a bit of money. So, oh, for sure. Um, but, uh, like I said, I, I like the platform. I'm an H and K fan. Uh, I think they make great stuff. I like a lot of things that they offer. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful idea. If it wasn't for Hitler, German Germany would have such so much better rap because their engineering prowess and capabilities are probably top of the line, top of the world uh, type of deal. I mean, they come out with um, extremely elegant cars that that have very little problems. Really, um, mm-hmm. it seems like their you know their guns or their arms are pretty smooth. Um, always really have been. There's not much of a a problem with them. Is you know I never really hear too many issues on German made product. Right. You know Hitler just gives them the bad rap. Um, huh. Deservedly so. Not so much for all of Germany. I'm sorry anyone in Germany who's listening because I'm you know I'm thirty percent German, but. You got brainwashed, and that's okay. You know, you can recover. I don't think I don't think the world hates you as much as they used to. Listen, I, I think that the the Germans definitely have set a benchmark for years of being able to machine. Um, I think that's that was kind of the the benchmark. I think that's one of the reasons that the the Germans were so successful is because they could. Um, get everything done that you know as far as ramping up production they weren't just throwing stuff together even all like the world uh you know, the wartime uh production was still top-notch stuff and i think that the uh, i guess benchmark of german productivity is that because you know they were able to do it under such dire conditions and with so little you know they were still able to produce you know, solid machinery in all aspects of, of, you know, war and weaponry. And, uh, the fact that, uh, 
you know, some of that, that craftsmanship and that, that level still stands is, is I think it's pretty cool. I, I think it's a testament to their ability. I mean, they're brilliant. They're brilliant scientists. I don't know how many people know, but uh, I don't want to say founded NASA, but after the war we had, you know, NASA was being run by a ex-Nazi under the Third Reich scientist. Um, we better ease up. We are going to get sued by JRE. No, we're not. <laughs> I uh, I that's, enjoyed that episode. Public, uh, that, that is him public. And, I said uh, nothing, and that is public information. What's his name? Uh, Say again? I said that is public information. There you go. Um, let's go off that, on that tangent. Have you seen this thing called Finding Hitler? I know it's probably like a year or two old already. No, I have not. Oh, you haven't? No. It's actually pretty cool. Okay, so the the end. We ought to have a conspiracy or a few conspiracy episodes. Oh, dude, but... I am about three quarters of the way on one on Netflix that I kind of want to get into called Behind the Curve. And Behind the what's that about? Behind the Curve. It's about. Um, Is this the Flat Earthers? Yep. Oh, I gotta see this. I heard they I heard they proved it wrong, like trying to prove it right. Oh, fucking hysterical. There, there's oh, really? a scene. Oh, dude, it is hysterical. I, I was, I was laughing and crying because it hurts to laugh, and I'm in my is bed it? like I'm having <laughs> menstrual cramps in a fetal position, trying to relieve my back pain while I'm laughing. So, I, dude, it's, it, it was. Fun. There's one like okay, so they had to get their their hands on this like laser gyroscope thing. Yeah, it was like twenty thousand dollars or something. Ten, someone bought someone in the flat Earth society bought and gave this guy a ten thousand dollar tool, and they're like, "Nice, well, you know, we can prove the Earth is flat. We just need this laser gyroscope because um, if the Earth was round, it would move fifteen degrees in X amount of time." So yeah. they get this thing, and they they set up the the experiment, and yeah. what happens? The, it move. They shows a fifteen degree movement. Nice. <laughs> exactly like they predicted if the Earth was round. So then they trap it in like a Faraday cage, because they're like, oh, this has okay. to be some outside interference. Right. So they trap it in that. And they do the experiment again. Still comes out fifteen degrees. Then they trap oh, it in geez. this like, like I guess it's like a more it's like a stronger version, a different material type of Faraday cage. Yeah. They do it again and they still get the same result and this guy's that walking around awesome. this, and this guy's walking around this flat earther convention thing um going yeah you know it, it, it did this but you know that's top secret don't tell anybody <laughs> like oh like, my goodness like, that's we're, we're, we're trying to figure out a way to disprove um disprove it that the tool's reading this because and they're trying to find an explanation to why why this why this laser gyroscope thing is reading exactly what it should be reading if the earth was round instead of that zero degrees hysterical. if the earth was flat. Oh dude, it's fucking the it's the oh it's the best it's probably one of the best documentaries I've watched in a while. Well, uh, what case? Uh, what point do they decide that that's a mockumentary and actually just go, yeah, this is a this is a spoof and we got you? Or is they I didn't finish it, but I think this is a legit thing, dude. Oh, jeez, that's like, I, uh, like I, I okay. So from what I've gathered, a lot of the people like in flat Earth, they're just like 
the on the high up end are yeah. like um, just trolling everybody. Like nice. Not even on the high end, the lower ends, should I say. Are just trolling everybody like like they'll post it to social media just to have people that, that follow them go, What the fuck? Like what is this guy uh-huh. listening to? Yeah. Like why is and then when they're just like thinking you know, getting a gag out of it. Whereas oh, the people on this documentary, I will say ninety five or eighty five to ninety percent of them truly believe the earth is flat. And the best wow. part about this documentary is then they have like actual scientists that are like Yeah, but you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson's like the antichrist of flat earthers. Because <laughs> he just can't put up with their shit, and there's the one scientist who's like, you know, as scientists, we've kind of had, you know, get have a bad rap of of uh, not wanting to have a discussion with these people and just shutting them down as morons. And it's like not that they're morons; they just don't understand um, the science behind it. So since they can't understand and perceive the science, that their logical conclusion is the Earth is flat because. I could look across the harbor and see a building, and if I couldn't, shouldn't be able to do that if the Earth is is uh, is round. They're not realizing maybe how maybe they much, just Well, they don't realize how great. much uh, how many you know how long how many miles you have to go to actually hit a curvature, like that you yeah, don't exactly. even notice a curvature. Everything's curved. I say. At what point do do they realize that maybe it's their point of view is so narrow that they can't see the curve? You know, it's like there's, it's all perspective. You know what I'm saying? I don't think anyone in this documentary know is gonna ever cave into the Earth is round. All right, what we need to do is invent a giant slingshot and shoot them high up into the air and be like no, when I they're like looking Alex down the road I, I, I say we put them all on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship or any type of cruise ship and right. uh, have the Flat Earth Cruise 2020 and take them to the ice wall and journey to the edge <laughs> exactly take them to the uh, ice wall because that's take them to the limit one more time <laughs> no well, no because their whole theory is that the, the poles because they're looking at a map going okay this is the earth basically they're cutting a circle right. around the continents but everywhere there's ice is just the edges of of the of uh, the disc as they would I guess call it I can't say the globe but right and there's a giant ice wall I mean they literally say and in the south pole is a giant ice wall Game of Thrones style I was just gonna say, say so they're totally they're totally getting into like the uh, the Game of Thrones ice wall. After that, there's nothing else. Yeah, no. After that's drop off. Wow, that that's, that's very interesting. And the and the space isn't space, and that's kind of how the space is fake thing corresponds with third is flat is because. Um, See, I didn't giant... think that the space is fake thing really corresponded with that. Well, it does in this uh This is how it corresponds. This realm? No, it corresponds with there's a dome over the Earth, and it's projecting what you see in the sky. Wait, isn't that the the people who think we live on the inside of the Earth? I say I think these are all kind of sort of interconnected to the same conspiracies, but um, no, it's like that's legitimate. It's a dome 
on top with okay. a pole in the center of, of the world that's got two light bulbs, one really bright and one kind of dim, and it just rotates around each other, at, you know, not parallel, but in the same fixed point. So the moon and the sun are on opposite sides of the, of the disk, and it just rotates on this pole. Wait a minute. The sun no, the that would mean we're from. living in a tube. No, think about a plate. Okay, so think about a cake dish, a cake, a cake, uh, like a cake caddy. So you got a flat okay. plate on the bottom. You know what a cake caddy is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the flat plate on the bottom. Then you got the dome that goes over top of that. Okay. That's the dome sky. That's how space is fake. Okay. And then in the center of the dome is a pole with two light bulbs that with another um, a bar coming off with light bulbs on them, basically revolving, you know, just rotating, and that's how we get sun and moon. Since they can't rise and set because the globe's not round, you know, the Earth's not round, they have to they have to rotate like a ceiling fan, slowly. Wow. And so, so I, pardon me for the silence on my side. I was uh, I was just trying to Google the flat Earth like diagram of, of the Earth, mm-hmm. and what came up was flat Earth movie. The second one is what I said wow to flat Earth dating. Oh yeah, there's flat Earth dating sites. Um, there's this there's this chick that has like this flat Earth. Uh, I don't know if it's like a Facebook Live podcast or what, but her and another guy in the documentary kind of go back and forth and like they do like shows together. And they went where did they go? They went oh it's Texas somewhere, and they went to like a NASA museum, and they're like live streaming on Periscope or whatever. Like we're behind enemy lines. Look wow. at all, oh, dude! It's anyone out there, and I, I don't want to go too too long on it because I did hear this. No, on, I mean uh, we we've gone through a uh, we've gone through a, the the I don't say the wormhole, but uh, okay, like, like finish your thought. You know, it's like well, I, so I'm I not don't want to go too long on it because I did. You know, I I heard about it on a radio show, and I don't like I don't like talking too much about what I hear on there, although. I don't think it's a problem because it's all like public knowledge. So I'm trying not to do uh, what they're doing on it. It's just something that I'm a fan. So they were ranking on it. I stopped listening and then I started right. watching and I f- almost finished it. So I decided to finish the episode today and finish the Very episode of them ripping on it. And they didn't even get far as far as I got. So I'm sure they're going to do more kind of like we're doing with the post-apocalyptic thing. On right, right. This documentary because they love documentaries and they love just tar- like stupid ones, <laughs> stupid like, ones. Yeah, like okay. the Fry Festival and the R. Kelly ones, and they went in, they went in deep with the so, Neverland ones. So, the the Finding Hitler one is this: the the theory is that Hitler escaped from World War II and went to South America, right? So then they start tracing possible movements of his airplanes, his submarine, the whole deal. There was always the uh, like reports of uh, Hitler lookalikes being in South America, uh, of his submarine being, or Nazi submarines being all over the place down in South America. A lot of FBI stuff just got uh, released and, and um, uh, declassified, if you will. I think that was the, the thing was the FBI. It might have been others, but uh, 
the Freedom of Information Act pretty much just unloaded all types of interesting documents. Some of the stuff's un, like uh, unredacted, and some of the stuff still is. And so they have guys kind of doing like a almost like a like a manhunt, kind of like a uh, like a ranger, or like a, a bounty hunter would go on. Right? They look at all the the evidence. They go talking to different people, this and that, and it's. It's a really, really interesting theory, and I, I, I don't say I believe any of, of the, um, uh, what do you call it, of the theories per se. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and that's what it is. It's all theoretical, you know. It's, it's all supposition and you know extremist views on things one way or another. But they actually go down. I think is is it Argentina or. I want to say it was Argentina. I could be wrong. Like I said, the show's been on a couple years. I think it was on for at least two. But it's really interesting because I love World War II. Um, not that I'm a fan of war, but um, it's been one of those one of those history things that I've always found interesting. Uh, you know, my both my grandparents or both my grandfathers served in World War II, and uh, so it you know it's got some family meaning to it. You know, just for me. So that that time and that era and how we got to that point, you know, like I said, that's I've probably seen, and uh, the ex uh, at one point said I'd seen all the World War II documentaries on PBS and Netflix, and to test her theory, we went through it and uh, all the ones that they had. Whenever we checked it, I had seen like I had rated them all back when it wasn't just thumbs up, thumbs down it was a, on a five star scale. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I wish we still had the five. The thumbs up, thumbs down doesn't do it for me because sometimes I'm like people's feelings. Uh, why? Because someone has more stars than they have. Like exactly. It, but I think five stars gives you a better idea of a uh, is it good, really good, or is it bad or really bad? You know what I'm saying? Like, or am I neutral? You know? Oh no, I get like, you. I, I'm right there with you. I like the uh, five star rating. There you go. I think We're gonna thumbs up, thumbs Netflix. down. Or, I think thumbs up, thumbs down is good for things like Pandora, where uh huh, where it'll help. Okay, algorithm to something else you might like, and right. And if they you get that wrong, you can thumbs down it and then take that out and try something else. And yeah, um, so I think that I think it works for that. But yeah, like like Yelp and stuff like that has to have a five star rating system. No, and that's the thing. I, I think that the. I don't know if the algorithm actually changed when they went to the thumbs up, thumbs down, but I think the suggestions that they had when it was on a five-star scale, I think he gave me more relevant suggestions than it does now. And maybe it's just a mental thing. Maybe it's just my perception of it, but that's that's how I, I see it, you know? Oh, no, I get you. Just uh, a thought. Um, I don't know. Oh, you're saying because South America, a lot of war crime Nazis fled to South America after the war. So that's oh, like, absolutely. That's like and the first. They traced jump. a lot of them. They traced a lot of them back to kind of like Hitler's AIDS, mm-hmm. and uh, um, like I mean, even a lot of like the manufacturing processes for what was it like wool or something? I think it was Argentine. Um, one of the biggest ended the company still open today it was started by a nazi party leader you know it was you know the names go all the way back and it's like i said it was really interesting because it put a new spin 
not so much that I was like, oh, they found Hitler, you know, or, you know, that I expected them to, you know, here's the grave that says Adolf Hitler, whatever. Um, but it, it put a new spin on things and just kind of, you know, you don't hear a lot about South America in anything World War II at all. You know, um, it's always uh, Europe, North Africa, and then Japan, kind of like the Asian Pacific with that, you know, when we, we got into to that um uh, that side of the war as well it's like you know there's it's the south there's american, our whole continent to say again the south american tie came from world war one um germans had a lot had some allying forces in south america um to try to keep the u.s busy um during world war one to keep them out of europe and is that? I mean, there's a lot of speculation. No, that's, that's I, I a really factual, know that's very a little statement. about World War One. I. I mean, well, okay. So I listened to um, Dan Carlin, uh, history, uh, hardcore history. Is the name of the okay. podcast. I think it was called. I think I had actually the name Apocalypse in it. I'll look it up real quick. But it was basically his podcast from what I have gathered is like a military history. So it takes these, um, oh, blueprint for Armageddon. That was the name of the series. It was a six show series. Okay. And it kind of detailed the start to end of world war one. Um, and then, but it had each episode kind of talked about different key battles and what was happening on both sides type of deal so okay the axes I, I think they were called axes i don't know what they were called back then i can't remember but um what would be the axis forces you know mm-hmm. opposed to the allies had a uh the u.s had a thing with Pancho villa so they had they had contacted Pancho villa to kind of stir some shit up and had the Americans, and it just they kind of kept try to keep us tied, um, pretty, pretty close to the states and keep us busy via South America. I don't think any German soldiers were in South America. I can almost tell you they weren't, but it was more like, uh, if we win the war, we'll give you Texas back type of deal with Mexico, and then they probably worked with some other. So I think there was a, a handshake agreement. And I could be completely wrong about that. I don't mm-hmm. don't take this as fact. But I do, like I said, I do know that there are some um, on the Axis side, some handshake deals with Mexico. So it wouldn't be too out of reach to say other South American countries would be involved, could be involved with that. Um, I gotcha. Through the span of time, maybe not during World War One, but kind of like the secret relationships of you know secret partnerships of. And that's, but yeah, South, or the reason the Nazis fled to South America was no highly, yeah, highly unregulated as far as like UN. I mean, there's no UN back then, I don't think. Um, no. I think UN came out of that, actually. And the, um, but, you know, I, I think say- everyone in the world kind of had a, you know, a verbal agreement on how we should all act towards each other. Before the, the interesting thing too that, that you know you mentioned that you know the the Germans and all that, even the Russians. I mean, if you go, I mean, even recently, 
I mean, I'm talking like, you know, two, three days ago, I think it was in the news that um, the Russians were in, what was it, Venezuela or something? Russians Venezuela? are everywhere. Say again? The Russians are everywhere. We're all Russian? Um, the, well, no. Well, the Russians are everywhere. Dude, we're, we are everywhere. We, there's not. No, no, no. But, but the they, they had, we, they had sent a lot of, say again? So there's not a blip of the map that we're not on. We are everywhere. Absolutely, and and I was I was gonna say the, the Russians have been tied to this hemisphere, if you want to call it that. Which I mean, I don't want to offend any of our flat Earth listeners, but I, I still think it's a globe, so it would be our hemisphere. The um, I mean, the Cold War we had Russians in Cuba, and it wouldn't surprise me for them to you know be in other parts of Central and South America as well. Just because of that, you know, it's it's uh, it's not like they did the uh, uh, what do you call it? Did the you know the full how do you call it? Not evacuation, but full demilitarization. You know, I, I think they still have forces all over the world, in much in the same way, like you mentioned, we do. I think most major uh, first world countries do. Or I don't know if you can you consider Russia a first world country. Uh, they're first world power. I yeah. I don't. That, I mean, that's no, what I'm getting I, at. Like, I, like their military strengths, and they're still a feared opponent to anybody. I yeah. They're still a valid world. I guess you would say superpower. I don't know if you would. And I, I wouldn't not call them a superpower, but I still, I don't know. You know what the qualifications are to say that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think as a society, I think, I think they, probably the answer would be yes. I mean, I'm sure they have nice hotels and you know, tourist spots. It wasn't and stuff that long like ago that. when they had nothing. I mean, I think the vast majority, and and I don't. Again, if you're in Russia and listening to us, you know, I that's definitely a country I've always wanted to go visit. Um, See, I actually, huh? I never have. Not, really? Russia's never been on my list of places to see. It is for weird reasons. Like, I like I have this weird thing. I've always wanted to, like, go see, like, the outskirts of, like, where the Chernobyl zone is. Um, yeah, I'm scared by that because I firmly believe. I, 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 this is one of the conspiracies I believe. There's some type of, like, Hills Have Eyes civilization inside you, that. You think there's a sub-civilization there? I think there's a good possibility it's possible. I, I'm not gonna sit here I and say it's like, for I, sure. again. I love a good conspiracy theory. I really do. I've seen plenty of them about Chernobyl. I've seen, like I said, I, I'm a, I like the JFK one. I've seen a lot of the JFK conspiracy theories and documentaries and everything else as well. Well, I'm um, I'm not saying it in a conspiracy standpoint. I'm saying it like this. Okay. there's there's documented cases of mutated life. Absolutely, yes. Like yes. animals or animals with like some weird frogs and fish and, and stuff yep. like that. So yep. it wouldn't be a beyond the realm of possibility that there's some type of subculture uh hidden beneath the vast wasteland of Chernobyl. That would be and I, I, maybe it's already been done, but that would be an awesome like if you could really get like access to filming in that location oh, not dude, that location but in gone, that area there, there's people that have um, gone and like creepy shit happens like 
Oh, absolutely. The um the the one thing that kind of like I guess fueled that interest. Um, there's a PBS special. It's been out for several years now, probably ten plus years. It's called The Wolves of Chernobyl, and it's one of the most interesting documentaries I've ever seen. Not because it's like I mean, I didn't really necessarily learn anything about about the wolves, but they're saying that there's a population of wolves in the Chernobyl area that is thriving, like absolutely in and of themselves, bigger, better. And I mean, just, it's really cool, but the footage of it, it shows like the, you know, the broken down, but it shows the amount of beauty in that part of Russia. And it's just like, I mean, I, I just, it's one of those things like, man, that place looks beautiful. Uh, I think if I remember right, most of it is uh, filmed during the winter, and uh, but they they do they go into like the the corded off you know safety zone or whatever the term is that they have for it, and they go in with the suits and they have the monitors to say you know okay you know the radiation levels are getting high we need to you know go take a break or whatever, but some of the photography um, some of the the like I said, the wolves are beautiful. The the landscape and just everything is just. I it's just like I said, it's it's on my list of places. Just like some places are like, oh, I've always wanted to go to, you know, whatever Cancun, or you know, I've always wanted to go to Paris, or I've always wanted to go. For for me, I I just I think it's beautiful out there. Um, I I do. I just if I ever had the chance and they said, okay, you can do anything you want, you know for the next month or whatever, I would probably go spend a week over there, you know? Um, like See, I said, it, it's one I, of those interests. I've just I would prefer to spend a week in the UK. I would too, for other reasons. Um, I've got some, uh, not blood ties, but I do have some ties back in that, you know, realm. Um, Again, back to the history of things. I, uh, with the World War II, I'd love to go see. I'm sure they have some really cool World War II museums. And I know, I mean, it's it's kind of history comes alive, you know, at that point. Um, just because, like I said, it's an interest I've had. Um, I was, you know, that's on the list. Uh, I just, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I would love for it to, but uh, nothing on the horizon that I'm aware of. Oh, no, I just want to be dumped in some small Irish village with a bar. Leave me alone. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want to you be might forget to come back Ireland. to the state. Um, my buddy Jeremy, which uh, I told you, I know he, I think he checked out one of the podcasts. Um, but he goes over and he's got uh, family over there. So he goes over, I think it's once a year, every couple of years, he'll go over. And he's got stories about drinking at some of the oldest bars around. And uh, he's like, it's just a totally different atmosphere. So uh, if you, you're you really down for it, maybe uh, I'll have him as the tour guide and uh, we could go take a trip. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping this gets big enough where we can afford to take trips like that and do some live on locations and other places of the world. and Get the Amex have... uh, business card and, exactly. and ride high. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, with the Chernobyl talk, we can kind of tie that into the next uh, step of the apocalypse, which would be some type of uh, 
nuclear meltdown or Cold War type, you know, launch of nuclear weapons that turns the the globe and or flat disk into a uh, deserted wasteland. <laughs> and uh, how how would you survive a roasted scorched Earth? Uh, how would I survive? Um, I, you know, I really hadn't thought about it in those terms. Oh, I think on. I would We've probably. About this before. You I think had I. Say again. We, you should have had something thought about about this one. No, it's like I. Okay, I've thought about it, but I don't know how I would approach it. To be honest with you, um, I don't think anyone really does. And um, that's that's the thing. I'm kind of thinking like the underground bunker idea might be the you know like a. The oh, what show was bunker? that where they like joked about the the bunker or whatever? The what now? It was a show or the movie. It was like uh, the guy from Encino Man, Brendan Fraser. He was like raised in, a, in an underground bunker or something. Oh, uh, I slightly know what you're talking about. But yeah, okay. this is probably like right before your kind of social conscious started. Uh, it is an older movie, but I think that would probably be my my first first option. Is everything would have to be underground? Just try to gather as many uh cans or resources as possible though hadn't been exposed to radiation and uh you know burrow like a tunnel rat or whatever you call it um you know there's a cool video game out that's um coincidentally set in russia uh really metro um there's a, metro? Se- it's a yeah metro like m-e-t-r-o metro not metroid uh, no just metro and uh, okay. there's a series on them, and I don't know, I can't remember exactly what the newest one is, but the ba- that's it, the basis of it is is um, at least from the trailer, it is you are surviving a nuclear world. Um, okay. I think you start out underground, if I remember correctly. Uh, there's some mutated monster demon things, you know, regular people, mutated people. Kind of sounds like Half Life. Yeah, it kind of runs the gambit on creatures and things, and but the okay. aspect of the radiation, it's um, you have to like, like you're you're wearing a face mask, so if like you get in combat and it gets cracked, like you have to survive long enough to fix it, type of deal. Like oh, maybe wow. you can't stay and fight; you have to run and go. Gets a clean a clean zone and fix your uh, your equipment before you'll die. So it kind of actually adds some real life instead of just getting shot up or hit and nothing really happens to you other than losing health. Now you're getting you know hit, shot up, you're cracking. Now you get some radiation seeping in slowly, you know, leaching health away type of stuff. Um, that sounds I, I think, pretty interesting. Are you yeah, playing no, this on one of your systems or what? I, I am not currently because I'm trying to get through like five other games. Okay. Uh, it'll be one I'll let go for a year or two and mm-hmm. pick up used and cheap and play. Right. I'm just not like a you know not like a 16 year old kid anymore who needs to play the, the newest and next best thing. I kind of gave up on those yearly title games like uh, Call of Duty where you just have a new one out every year. The campaign's really short. You're really just playing online. Um, I was I was listening to um, <clears throat> excuse me one of the guys I work with was telling me about 
and I forget what game. Man, it's totally blanking on that. Oh man, you can tell it's been a long day. Um, but he was saying that it's a, uh, it's like a an open map world where it's absolutely huge. You can do anything you want. But um, oh, the thing is, is, no, I don't think it was Fallout. That's a that's kind of what Fallout is. Oh, he was saying you could do like the. He goes, you can like the storyline. You can do whatever mission you want whenever you want it. Yeah, Fallout. He's, Okay, maybe it was Fallout then. But they, uh, I mean, they had a bunch of them, but Fallout's a, one of those uh, nuclear war. You hit in a bunker and you come out from the bunker, and you can only go out for X amount of time. You have to go back. Um, hmm. You know, you gather stuff to build weapons or supplies or what have you, and you upgrade your bunker or build like little safe havens and and stuff like that. Um, the new one, Fallout seventy six. Looks really good until I had reports of it is a total online game. Like, yeah, it's a open world online community, kind of like uh, World of Warcraft. I got gotcha. um, instead of a storyline and NPC, which is a non person um, controlled player, mm-hmm. and um, it's just like. And the guy I know who plays it, he's like, you know, you know now I get some 12-year-old coming up and starts dancing in front of me. I'm like, what would you do? He's like, shot him in the head. I'm like, well, that's an appropriate response. That's what I would do, too. He's like, you know, right. like he played it for a day and turned it back in. He's like, no, nah, fuck this. I'm not. That's the only one that does that, though. All the other fallouts are NPC. I think they have the option of playing with a friend, like tying them into it. But it's an open world map. You got to kind of build a civilization. Um, you fight, you know, mutated creatures, other people, stuff like that. I haven't played them, but that's what it's been described. I, I, say, I don't as. think this one was because uh, I, I was telling him that the last game that I really like, or the last series I really followed was like the uh, Tom Clancy's uh, like Rainbow Six, um, Ghost Recon, and kind of that style game um, where it's like you had a mission and then you know, it would take you to the different parts of the world and everything. It was pretty interesting. At least I enjoyed them. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the last, like, series I really followed. And that was, uh, I hate to say it, that was like 10, 15 years ago. So, um, you know, I and again, I'm not familiar with Fallout. Maybe that is, you know, more of like a realistic, like, uh, squad-based type game where you have, you know, you and three other you know, computer characters or whatever. No, I don't think it's so much squad base as it. It's just, um, I mean, you, I'm, you certainly gonna work along with an NPC, um, and anything, just like in any video game. See, that's kind of why I like the Assassin's Creed stuff because it is an open world map. Yeah. After the first couple of games, and even then, it was still an open world map, but like. Now it's super open world. You could choose what you want to do when you want to do it pretty much throughout the game. As far as as far as to the point uh, where you know you can do all the side missions you want to do and they just keep coming and coming and coming. Dude, I've I've spent days playing side missions and not advancing the storyline. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a they're ginormous open world games. Um, but yeah, so what's it getting at? Metro, um, Mad Max is another version of those nuclear, uh, Holocaust things. That one's more like a gear, like if 
gearheads wrote a movie script about a nuclear apocalypse. I um, think that's what Mad Max was. Yeah. No. Um. No. I, I, I'm familiar with the Mad Max. I. I think that's the accurate uh, description of it. Uh, yeah, I would think so too. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Um, I don't know how I would deal with a nuclear apocalypse. I mean, bunker's a logical, logical step. How long do you stay but, in the bunker? Yeah, well, what's the half life of how much of the radiation is blown my way? Exactly. You know, it is kind of like that. That becomes okay. You really need to be a scientist to figure that out. Pretty much. Um, you know, I'm not going to say everybody go and, you know, start building your, your bunker and stocking up on dry goods, but of course not. I don't think a new, a worldwide nuclear Holocaust will ever happen. Don't, I don't think that's ever going to come into play. I think zombies would come before that, quite honestly. See, I don't know. It's just it, that kind of comes down to how much do you trust the other government? You know, it's like whatever that other government is for you, whether it's, you know, the Russians or the was it the North Koreans or whoever's got their itchiest finger on their trigger at the moment. You know, right. I, I think that that kind of depends on your that depends on your gyroscope of of the world and and your perception of who's more dangerous and, and what's going on. Um, what is it? The, uh, what organization is it that has like all the different, like dangerous germs and, and viruses and all that stuff? The CDC. I, is the CDC worldwide or is that just like the U S? Oh, uh, I think it's the U S I don't know what the worldwide is anyhow, but they have like a whole, like, you know, um, rainbow, uh, type for lack of a better term, you know, uh, idea. They have like a whole Rainbow Corp type uh, thing of the world's most deadly chicken pox and the world's most, you know, Ebola's and all the other craziness that are out there. And it's kind of like I think that if you really were trying to cause like a upheaval in, in the organized world, I think that the uh, that would be an easier way to, to approach it. I think that's more realistic than happening than, like you said, the, the nuclear side of things. Um, you know, I've I think there's there's enough. Uh, I don't want to say respect. I think there's enough attention paid to the nuclear side of things that that would be harder for that well, to happen. I think I think uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki was a eye opener for um, the world as far as the damage of what a nuclear weapon can do. But to have yeah. a total global nuclear apocalypse, you gotta have pretty much every nation that's carrying nuclear weapons, launching them in different places at the same time to do a complete extinction of livable life for the most part. I mean, you know, Russia hitting us isn't going to, I don't think is really going to affect much past our borders or, you know, stuff like that type of deal. Like, we hit Japan. I don't know how far into Japan it really crept. I don't know how localized it stayed to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, it obviously didn't wipe out the whole whole island. Um, and we occupied Japan after that. All right. I mean, almost, almost 
Exactly. That's exactly. Almost. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm about four or five in at the moment. Um, nice. Actually, you know, being four or five in, I can taste a banana now. Believe it or not. Really, I could not taste any banana on that. I'm only one, and well, I'm almost two in. Um, I didn't get any banana notes. I didn't smell any banana. I mean, it's it's a pretty much a straight Hefeweizen. Like I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I just I don't think we have to worry too much about that, but. You know, it's it's fun to, to you know, to, to theorize. You could have... Because in, the, like, the Metro version, it's kind of like Chernobyl. There's woods around. There's not... It's not a burnt, desolate wasteland. It's still cityscape. And I don't know if it was exactly nuclear or if it was some type of meltdown or what it is. But it definitely has some radiation involved because you got to wear a mask and, and stuff like that to survive. Whereas, like, Mad Max, who also has a video game based on the newest movie, which I haven't seen yet. Um, I've seen parts of it. Um, I never, I don't think I ever sat through the, the original one or anything. I saw the original one a long time ago. Okay. Where that, it's like you're driving around a desert, pretty much. You know, water's hard to come by. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, you're driving around ocean ocean floors type mm-hmm. of place so i i don't like i said that, that that's something more along the lines of someone like hacking every nation's nuclear codes and setting all the bombs off at once type of type of existence whereas metro i think has more of the chernobyl feel where it's it's still there's woods there's animals they're slightly mutated or heavily mutated um yeah existence uh so it it, it is a hard one to theorize you know if if it's a completely burnt vast nothingness i don't know if i'd even have the will to just keep fighting on to live like why would you i mean why wouldn't you i mean dude Um, when, when when you can't have a drink of water wouldn't it just yeah, be easier that, that's, to not be alive? I'm not saying killing yourself, but maybe not fight as hard to live type of deal. Yeah, like like I said, that's that's a lot harder to to <clears throat> That's a lot harder I don't want to say conjure, but that that's a lot lot more to, to picture. Um Yeah, if it was like a desert, um I would try to get as far away from that, you know, Greenland or, you know, forest and you know somewhere where you could point of Mad Max is there is nothing it's all that's all it is right right but i to be at that level i think most people are going to be i don't say infected but they're going to be feeling the effects of oh there's mutated people all throughout the yeah yeah i think i think that it's going to be only a matter of time at that point if everything's desert i think you're at the point of no return you know? Exactly. Just, um, just like I said, just my conversation or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, a, a Chernobyl meltdown would be fun. Um, it'd be a fun thing to try to <laughs> better than nothing. Um, try to get out of. You mean? 
Not even get out. I survive it. Fun survive it. I think. I think there's like because uh, I know someone who's playing Metro. One of the points is they told everybody the whole world's like this, so no one left. But I think. I think the twist in the story is it's it's like a Chernobyl event where they just kept these people in the dark in this uh, really? localized area. But yeah, um, so it's like it's like a, a backwards village. Yeah, somewhat. By the way, it's still one of the worst movies ever made. Um, that that is that would be an interesting twist on it. I think that's the big twist is. The rest of the world's functioning and operating, and it's just you're in you're within this society that has um, told you that that this is gonna be you know the whole world's like this and it's worse and this is the best place and just stay here type of deal. It's safe here. Just don't don't question us, right? Exactly. Um, that makes sense. There's another game out, Far Cry. Maybe that was the one you guys, you guys, because Far Cry kind of has that. All right. Um, the the one I I'm kind of in the middle of playing now. I thought it was a post-apocalyptic until yeah. I played it, and it's really like if um, Manson were to have his uh, not Marilyn Manson, but uh, Charles Manson were to have yeah. his like ideal cult um, place. What type of crap are you playing, man? That doesn't sound like fun at all. Oh, dude. Well, okay. So the beginning of this game, you are try you're arresting a hyper religious cult leader. Okay. Who has come into a county and infected it and pretty much cordoned it off from the rest of the world. Has hyper has uh, I think three brothers or four brothers. Or his siblings, and each part of the county is controlled by a different sibling. So you got to basically fight your way up to fight the head guy. And he's a... It's a hardcore cult uh, religion. What is this called? uh, Far Cry. Oh, that's Far Cry? It's the new... It's the one of them. um, And it actually... It looks like there's like... Ten of them. There's one through five. Oh, there's Primal, New Dawn, Instincts, and Three Bud Dragon. Okay, so Far Cry Four? No, not Far. Cry I don't 4. know. Far Cry Primal, New Dawn is the continuance of the one I'm playing. Far Cry Five. Yeah, Far Cry Five is the one I'm playing now. Okay, got. It. And you're basically a uh, federal agent along with the sheriff's, or I think you're a newbie on the sheriff's department and some federal agents. Any whether whatever it is is you're you're a law enforcement. You're going in with local sheriffs to um, arrest the cult leader. You get the cult leader and they shoot the helicopter down. Turns out your dispatcher is a, a part of the cult. One down. Yeah, and so you're you're alone. You're the only person to survive, and you're trying to free the county from the grips of the cult. It, it, that's the game, but it's a it's an open world game. Oh wow! So you can go drive around for hours and just you know you'll see uh, you know a couple cultists on the side of the road harassing a civilian, 
You can swap yeah. over, take them out, or go do side missions, or do your storylines, you know, or fly aircraft. It's an, it's it's interesting, but I thought it was like a post-apocalyptic kind of Walking Dead civilization thing. Right. Not it's so much. It's not seen like that. Not so much. Well, that's what it looks like. But then when you play, it's you're really you know modern time, just stuck in this county that's been heavily guarded off because you got so much manpower that it's pushing back everybody and there really hasn't been a big to do until you go missing inside this county so i got about halfway through that and started playing something else um but (laughs) the next one to come out is the continuation of that so that'll be an interesting an interesting thing um that's you know that kind of that kind of ties into post-apocalypse because it's kind of goes on that that lines of of uh, societies within what a post apocalypse because that's what it feels like. You're very rationed on stuff. Yeah, you know you can't go to stores because all these all these towns are being held subjugated by the mm-hmm. leaders of the cult. So it's a lot of scrounging up shit too, and upgrading very, your stuff yeah. and and keeping track of ammo and all that mess. That, uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. I, the, the whole idea of it being, you know, a, a cult is kind of uh, just just weird. I, I don't know how else to word it. Well, I mean, um, you, you have a lot of these Kool-Aid cults. That's kind of what it is exploiting is. Yeah, yeah. The susceptibility of people to be brainwashed. Uh, one of my business, I think it was my business professor said, uh, if everybody's thinking alike, then nobody's thinking. Exactly. I don't know if that's his original quote, but uh, I doubt that. Uh, yeah, I say that that's that's kind of the <laughs> the warning sign, as it were. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how that would be. Uh, how that would be. Uh, what do you call it? A great thing if you know. And I know it happens. It's sad. It's very very unfortunate that it does happen. But uh, yeah, I. I guess some people are just more more susceptible to it just because they want to have that sense of belonging or something. Yeah, people you know? want to fit in for the most part. Um, with that being said, uh, sir, we are about an hour and a half in. All and, right. And I know I know what? we were discussing, and I'll, we'll share this with the listening audience to yeah, pretty probably. much clean up the last four or five minutes of the show. Um, shortening down the shows from two, two and a half hours to an hour and a half, unless we go on like this full roll tangent. Um, right, right. But we're going to try to shorten them down because I've had some complaints that they're just too long. That's why I don't really listen because they're too long. You know, I'm like, well, listen in chunks. And it's like, yeah, but you know, I listen to, you know, stuff 30 minutes, an hour or so. I say we, we try an hour and a half. Also, I really got to pee, and I have company on the way. So, oh, oh, that's right. You did mention that. So I, I forgot you did have time constraints. Um, kind of summarize the episode. Um, the Floridian, it's uh, another local. Uh, it's in South Florida, uh, Broward County, for those of you who are in the 954. Um it's uh, it's tasty. Like I said, it's not necessarily up my uh, my alley, my my preference. But uh, you know, I, I'm glad I tried it. It's definitely something I would choose if uh, 
you know, if it was on tap somewhere and all the other, all they had was the other domestics, I'd probably go with this over the other one. Yeah, it's not horrible. Um, um, not my favorite, but if like I said, if yeah, it's something at a party, I would probably grab it over some of the regular stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are going to uh, wait for the feedback on this. Uh, happy tax season. I know everybody's either dreading or looking forward to it for one reason or another. Uh, we hope you've got everything organized there. And uh, we'll look for you next time. Let us know what you think about the topics, about the beer, about taxes. Give us some feedback. We're on Instagram, uh, Bar Culture Pubcast. I think BC Pubcast is the screen name. I think you can find us in our bar, bar culture as well. Uh, B Pubcast on Twitter, is that correct? Uh, B Pubcast at Twitter, Bar Culture Pubcast on Facebook, BC Pubcast on Instagram, BC Pubcast at Gmail. So our email. Um, reach out, Absolutely. follow, like, listen, review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, we're Stitcher, Pod. We're in every major market we can get in, uh, you know, easily. I, I think we've hit, you know, the, the larger ones. So let's uh, let's see uh, where we can go with this. Um, let us know what you think of the shorter episode too. If that works better for you, maybe we'll uh, try to pare our our mouths down and pare ourselves down to. Uh, kind of wrap it up on the shorter side of things and uh let you get on with your life um i appreciate those who have you know reached out to me and and given me feedback uh you know will and i speak a lot off air about show plans and ideas and uh you know all the behind the scenes that don't necessarily want to involve you in but we do appreciate the feedback so uh let's keep it up until next time, drive safe, drink safe, and uh, drink with friends. It's always better that way. You know, uh, we, we enjoy ourselves, and we want you to as well. And, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Uh, that, that's a good summary. So, uh, everyone, say good night. Say good night, Stephen. All right. Uh, I'm going to say you said good night, Stephen. So, good night, Will. <laughs> and good night, John Boy, for those of you who get that reference. Yep. Little House on the Prairie. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Take care. Talk to you next time. Bye. All right. Let's see how this goes.